The text for the sermon this day is taken from all of the scripture readings that we have heard today. So they all are going to play a little bit of a role. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So it's already begun. Those sounds have been coming to your ears possibly already. They began on November 1st. That radio stations began to blare out 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Christmas music. And one of those songs that you might possibly hear is, You better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. So, all right. Interestingly, when I did that at the nursing home, I think they started joining in on me, with me. But anyways, and by the way, if you want to know, Santa is not, some people do this weird thing like, oh, Santa, that's like Satan. It's actually, Santa means saint, like Saint Nicholas. Anyways, that's another issue. But anyways, so you hear that song around this time of the year because the time is beginning to Wheels are beginning to churn, and we're getting closer and closer into that Christmas season. And so the stores have been filling up for a while, and you've been having, I've noticed that in the grocery store there's already eggnog, which I love that. And, and people are starting to, you're starting to see the advertisements on TV, and people are going to start going shopping. And before long, you're going to see lights on the houses, and all of it is building for the anticipation for Christmas Day. The signs are there that that is coming. In the gospel lesson for today, we have an anticipation of an arrival as well. It's a much bigger arrival. The anticipation of the arrival of the bridegroom, who is Christ. That he is coming. And the virgins who are all Christians, are waiting. I should say all those who call themselves Christian are waiting. They're anticipating his arrival. But five of those who call themselves Christian are foolish. Five of them are wise. And the signs are all there that he is coming. People have been anticipating his arrival for a very long time. This season of the church year focuses on this. Beginning on All Saints Day and going all the way to Christmas, until December 24th, when we'll be celebrating the fourth Sunday of Advent, we'll be focusing on the fact that Jesus is going to return. In fact, one of the very beloved Christmas hymns, Joy to the World, actually is more appropriately an Advent hymn. Because if you, folk, if you actually pay attention to the words, it's not actually singing about Jesus' birth. It is actually singing about his return. And so they're, and they picked this time of the year because look outside. Or if you notice when you came in, was it, as warm as it was in July? No. It's getting chillier. 
It's, the trees are bare. There's no, there's no green leaves on there. The grass is eventually going to start to turn brown. You're eventually going to see that wonderful white stuff that everybody loves to see. Snow. The fields, which were green and beautiful, are now brown and black as they slowly get, har as they get harvested. The days are getting shorter. I mean, think about last night, our Saturday night service, it was pitch black the entire time. It wasn't that long ago that it was nice and sunny at 6 o'clock. And well afterwards, we look around the world and we see the evidence that this earth is dying. The life itself does all the job for that as well. In the time of, in the Gospel of Luke, before Jesus went to the cross, he gave the warning. He says, weep for me, but weep, weep for yourselves and your children, he told the women. See, the city of Jerusalem would reach such horrible period of time, such horrible famine, that it's actually sad that, a, that mothers were eating their own children. They're so desperate to keep alive. They thought the end was near. In fact, that letter to the Thessalonians is written to those who are wondering, when is he coming back? We thought he would be here sooner. The hymn that we just sang, Wake, awake, for night is flying. It's part of what is known as the King and, the King and Queen of Chorales, written by Philip Nikolai. The other one is, um, Oh Morning Star, How Fair and Bright. If you don't know, it goes, Oh Morning Star, How Fair and Bright. I don't know the words beyond that. But that's an epiphany hymn. Both written by the same man. Both hymns very much focusing on Christ's return. Why? Well, he lived a quite a challenging life. You know, we've, we've talked about last week that, you know, at the funeral home, that they had three, I think they had three or four people die on two days, I think it was. And we thought, boy, that's a lot. Philip Nikolai lost 600 of his members in one month. 2,000 in a year. So think about that. Six in one month. He lost all but 100 of our communicant membership. In one year, he lost all but 100 of the population of Ida Grove to the plague. That, it's for that reason that he was begging and so eager for Christ's return. And as the history progresses, Today, yesterday, we celebrated Veterans Day, for which we give thanks to God for so many, bl the blessing that we are able to worship on this hill right next to the water tower, not in secret. We, don't, we are not afraid that at any minute that soldiers are going to break down the door and arrest us and throw us into jail or line us up for firing squad. Reason? One, the United States Constitution to the soldiers who defended it. Remember, you can't, have with, you can't have one without the other. You need both. So without the Constitution, 
Veterans Day, we hate it. There are people in this world that hate their soldiers and are terrified of them. We live in a country where we are proud of them, hopefully, because they protect our freedoms. But here's the reality. We need soldiers. The fact that there are soldiers means there is war. That means there's been the American Revolution, the Civil War, World Wars I and II, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, Afghanistan, Iraq, the War on Terror. All signs of the brokenness of this world. If, we'd had a wor if the world was good, we wouldn't need soldiers. But because the world is as it is, we need them. And war happens. Many people during World War II and World War I thought the world was coming to an end. Then for us in our own very recent history, just over a year ago, Donald Trump was elected president. And right away it was met by rioting. And the rioting per continued for a couple months. Then in, the, then in last Palm Sunday, we read about the news that in Egypt, while we were here celebrating our Palm Sunday services in Egypt, Christians were blown to smithereens by a terrorist. Back in August, we had, these last couple months, we've had hurricanes, we've had fires. At the beginning of October, we had the shooting in Vegas. Last week, while we were worshiping here, 26 Christians in Texas were murdered. And the signs are all there. This world is coming to an end. This world is broken, and we, like the psalmist, can help but say, make haste, O God, to deliver me. Now is God, come here quickly. Get us out of this place. But there are two kinds of people they'll be greeting Christ. The foolish and the wise. What makes one foolish and another wise? Now the temptation is to think that the foolish one is the one who does the works of God. More specifically, that they do just the right things. There are, actually, there are church bodies where the teaching is, is that as Christians, you have to slowly become more and more perfect. And if you're not becoming more and more perfect, then you must not truly have faith. You must not truly be a Christian. There are those who will look to your works as evidence of your salvation. There are those who will say that it doesn't matter what you believe or think about God. All that matters is what you do. As if the wise virgins are the ones who did all the good works. If that is what you want to stand upon, or as Rick Warren actually made the argument, was in his purpose-driven life, which if you don't know Rick Warren, he is extremely popular. 
His book, The Purpose Driven Life, is only, the only book that sold more copies is the Bible around the world. And in his book, and by the way, his book is not Christian. He claims it's Christian, but trust me, it's not consistent with our Bible. But in his book, he argued that we need no longer, the Reformation was a reformation of creeds, and we need a reformation of deeds. Because he too is amongst those who believe it does not matter what you believe, your creeds don't matter, it matters what you do. And so do we want to stand on that before God? Remember, God does not demand that, well, you just did a couple good things in life. You did that nice little mission project, that's good. No, God demands perfection. And so when you stand before God and you want to stand upon your own laurels, he's going to say, I remember that one time you were in Sioux City or Minneapolis or whatever, and somebody came up to you and he asked you for help. And he really could have used it. And you decided not to give it for whatever judgment reason you had, even though you could afford it. You failed there. Or there's this one time where your child needed your help with homework or whatever. But you decided that you were reading the newspaper, you're watching TV, doing whatever, and you didn't help. You failed there. And you'll point every single time you have failed. And you will be utterly ashamed. And you will not be able to stand on your laurels. What makes the virgins wise is not upon their works. I mean, look in our own church. Right now we're in the midst of a stewardship campaign. Last week I kind of alluded, I talked quite a bit about us being not normal, about going out and telling of God's word, or to be ambassadors. This week, we talk of service to our congregation. Every week, for every week we have troubles getting people to sign up to be an usher. In the book of Acts, the apostle said it is not good for us to give up the proclamation of the word in order to serve tables. So therefore, they appointed certain people in the church to rise up and serve in ways so that the pastors could carry out their duties. But if you look on it every week, something as simple as ushering. I mean, it doesn't involve, we're, gonna, we're not going to like flog you in order to usher or something. All you're doing is handing out bulletins, telling, helping people up for communion. You are the nice smile that somebody might need when they come in on a Sunday morning. It's an opportunity to serve. We're about Sunday school teachers or midweek teachers. We're always struggling every single year or council members. You know, we're about to be, we're going to be thinking about that pretty soon or elders. There are so many opportunities to serve in this congregation and it is some reason it's like pulling teeth to get people to do so. It is all evidence of our fallenness. But you see, the wise virgins 
What makes them wise? See, they didn't fill their own oil. It is God who fills the oil. He fills it with his word. He fills it with his sacraments. You see, when we see what happened last week on the news, there are many who are afraid to go to church. There are people who are afraid, what if that's going to happen here? Now, granted, we have to realize how illogical that is. Two shootings compared to how many church services in that last, who knows how many years? The likelihood of it happening is still insanely small. You're more likely to die in your car than you're going to die in church. But we are afraid. And we think, oh, that's a re there are people that think that's a reason to not go to church. When in reality, that's exactly why you go to church. Because his word is the thing that fills the light. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You ever heard that song or that song? Might have remembered it in Sunday school. God's word is the lamp. When we hear his word, when we receive his means of grace, his when we remember our baptism, in a little bit we're going to sing that hymn, God's own child, I gladly say it, I am baptized into Christ. I am a child. And so, whenever bad things are going on in this world, whenever death is staring us in the face, we just say, God's own child, I gladly say it, I am baptized into Christ. Death, you cannot end my gladness. I am baptized into Christ. That's why we have that baptismal font, nice and center. When you come up for communion, you've got to go walk by it. Reminder that you became a member of God's Christ body by baptism. You hear God, that's why you hear God's word as often as you can. Because that is where there is hope. See, those who have faith in Christ, and that faith is recharged in the sacrament, in the Lord's Supper, in the hearing of the Word, they're the wise ones. The foolish ones are the ones who are the writing the words of Amos are written against. I hate your solemn assemblies. I hate your, your festivals. Those are to the unbelievers. Those are to those who say they believe that there is a God, but they don't really have faith. But to those who do have faith, he says, we do not, Paul says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven. And with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. 
Words such as that. That's the oil of the lamp. That's what lights our feet, our path. Because yes, Christ is coming. But as Christians, it's not a day to be afraid. As those who trust in Christ, it is a reason for hope. Because we know what is to come is a, bless, a blessedness, a joy beyond all imagination. That's why we can say, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let heaven and nature sing. Until that day comes, may we be servants and witnesses. See, the reason we do good works, the reason why we serve others, it isn't so that we could fill the lamp, that we'd be wise. No, we do it because we are wise. We do it so that we can draw others to Christ. We do it for the sake of the one who died on the cross for us, who shed his blood for us, who guaranteed eternal life for us. Because of what he has done, we serve him with gladness and joy. Therefore, encourage one another with God's word. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keeping the one true faith, the life everlasting. Amen. Please stand.